0: morning let's stand all over the house this morning let's go again our service today by worshiping the Lord we're going to sing some old praise choruses and worship songs together this song just simply says gone at last my sins are gone at last let's worship the Lord today No we thank you today that you are our very present help in time of trouble Father I pray today that Lord everything we take in this offering today would be for the advancement of the kingdom of God Father we love you Lord I pray that every note that is played song and a song message that is given would be God honoring and pleasing you someone would leave today changed Lord by the power of Jesus Christ Father we will give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray in the people of God said "Amen." amen amen will you come and greet one another in the Lord at this time God bless you those that are leading scripture and prayer, if they'll make their way at this time, immediately following that, Sister Sherry will be coming today to lead us in our special song of selection, so continue to worship as Brother Mary leads us in
1: scripture and prayer today. Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 3, looking at 26 through 29. For ye are all children of of god by faith in christ jesus for as many of you have seen have been baptized into christ have put on christ there's neither jew nor greek there's neither bond nor free there's neither male or female for you are all one in christ jesus as if you be christ then are ye abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise we've been talking about the promise for the last couple of weeks in sunday school and uh I'm thankful to be a part of that. Amen. Um, Before I begin, the brother gave me a list of uh, needs within the church. Uh, We need to continue to remember Sister Brenda, Sister Barnes, Sister Beulah, Sister Nina, and uh, the King family with their little granddaughter. So um, I like to take all these needs to the the Lord this morning. I believe he's able to touch and move upon lives if we just take time to praise him, worship him, and go to him in prayer. Let us pray and remember his needs uh, and ask God to have his way. Again, Lord, we're thankful, Lord, always for your mercy and your graces. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that we serve a, a, mighty, a mighty God. Lord, we've seen your hand so many times, and we're thankful, Lord. Father, there's those within this body of Christ that are sick, Lord, those that's undergone surgery. Father, we just pray a special prayer, Lord, asking that you would reach down, Lord, that you would touch them, Lord, that you would heal them, Lord. And, Lord, we'll be careful, Lord, as your people, Lord, to give you all the honor and all the praise. Again, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just have your way in this congregation, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to touch the music. And, yes, Lord, we felt your presence, and we thank you for that, Lord. Father, we pray that you would touch the preaching of your word, Lord. Lord, that it might enter into the hearts and the minds of your people. And Lord, again, Lord, we be careful to praise you and thank you. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you allow us once again to be in church, Lord, that we might worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. And again, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for that liberty, Lord. Thank you for that peace, Lord, that passes all understanding. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Amen. Thank you.
0: the The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made, so we will rejoice and be glad in it. So let's worship today by saying that today. we're here standing in this house today we thank you God for that today that you are still in control. And Lord, we love you and we worship you and we ask that you inhabit the praises of this house today. And Lord, we commit all this into your hands at this moment. Jesus, we pray.
2: You know, this week, uh, as many of you may know, our granddaughter Sadie, who is 10 years old, uh, went through a very tough test and a very tough time. But through a God that we serve, who is faithful, she is walk, she is already walk, not walking yet, but she's talking, she's moving, she's eating. So a little back story, just real quick, on Sadie. Sadie's 10 years old. She has been brought up in church from the day she was born. She has spent a lot of time with me and Glenda coming here. And I remember the first time she went with us on a Wednesday night to hear Sister Melanie teach. Now, she didn't know Sister Melanie was going to be teaching, but we found out as soon as we got there that Sister Melanie Vaughn was going to be teaching that night. And sister melody was making her rounds saying hello to everybody giving out scripture help me with this read this read that i need you to read this and she saw little sadie there at that time she was nine years old and she said so what do you want to be darling when you grow up and sadie said i want to be a neurosurgeon and sister melanie said "Well, you go right ahead then and we just moved on you know didn't think anything about it but little did we know Some months down the road, her life would be in the hands of a neurosurgeon. See, you don't understand how good God is. See, Thursday afternoon when I got home from work, we had been asking my daughter and her husband, you know, Jessica, Brad, Sadie's been complaining with headaches and neck aches and back aches, and they brushed it off to, well, it's her book bag, well, she might have migraines, and we just, my wife just kept saying, Jessica, please, please just call the neurosurgeon or call the surgeon that she'd had eye surgery on a year ago for some optic nerve issues. She said, just please call that surgeon and see if we can set up an appointment, at least go get an MRI. And so reluctantly, they finally did that. You know how moms and dads are about getting their 40-year-old children to do something. So finally, I uh, Brad called, set up an appointment, and they said, yes, bring her in. This was Thursday afternoon at 1.30. Thursday afternoon at 4.30, 5 o'clock when I got home from work, we had got the word from Jessica that they had found a a tumor on the back of Sadie's. It was at the bottom of her brain stem, right where the spinal cord connects to the brain stem and they said they were going to keep her over that night and they're going to have to drill a hole in her head to drain the fluid that had accumulated over the brain and I'm sure Sister Brianna understands when you have fluid on your brain you get massive headaches and this was, what was causing a lot of her headaches And so they admitted her to the Children's Hospital down at MUSC Thursday night. They drilled a hole in her head, put a tube in and it, and allowing the fluid to drain out. They said they'd have to do surgery immediately the next day, early that afternoon. They said the surgery would take anywhere between eight to 10 hours, but let's lean more on the 10 hour side. It looked the tumor looked big. But when they got in there, they found out that the tumor was bigger than what they thought. Before they went in, they did a whole body scan to make sure that the tumor had not spread down to her spinal cord and caused any type of injuries on that end. So that was a good sign. We knew right away that was good. God was already working. So with that being said, they went ahead and started the procedure about 1 o'clock Friday afternoon. And as the day went by, it was probably the longest eight to ten hours we ever spent. Every two and a half hours, we'd get an update. And all they would tell us was, she's stable, everything's going good, we're going to proceed. Okay. So sometime between 6.30 and 7 o'clock that evening, maybe 7.30ish, the doctor showed up in the waiting room. And our daughter, Jessica, was like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be back there in surgery. And I said, we're done. It was six and a half hours. The surgery was supposed to be 10. You have to understand how good God is. Because see, that tumor that was on her base of her brain stem, the doctor said, this is a big doctor. He's about the size of Larry, six foot and some change, and some huge hands. And he made a fist and he said, that tumor is about as big as my fist. And he said the tumor, now you're talking about a six year old or 10 year old child with a six centimeter tumor in her brain where her brain did not grow because of this tumor. And the tumor had grown for many years without us even knowing it. And so part of Sadie's brain hadn't even developed. So with that being said, She was always, from day one, a straight-A student. We're just thinking, God, you're so good that you allowed her to be able to... The doctor said they didn't understand why she didn't have any movement disorders. Why wasn't she off balance all the time? Why Why wasn't any of this occurring? Because God, even though the tumor was being put in the place that her brain was supposed to be, the other half of her brain... God way, somehow, allowed her to still function on a daily basis and be a straight-A student all this time. I'm going to tell you this. With the size of that tumor, when they pulled it, when they got it out and removed it, the doctor said it was as big as an orange and that the cyst had grown inside the tumor and causing several little cysts. Well, let me tell you how good God is. See, they were worried because they thought, well, We're going to have to do a lot of scraping of the brain tissue when we get this thing off. That's what he told us. It's going to be a lot of long days, long nights for recovery. And they were concerned about her mobility, her speaking, her being able to remember things. This is how good God is, people. The cyst that was developed inside that tumor, the doctor said when he got in there to start his scraping procedure, he said the tumor just fell off in his hand. Just fell off in his hand. There was no scraping necessary to the brain, to the brain stems, anything. It just fell right off in his hand. Hence why he got out of surgery in six and a half hours, verses 10. God is a good God. God is still in the healing business. And we give God all the honor and praise for what has taken place we thank you for all your prayers God we're just glad and we thank him for everything that he's done and that everything he's going to do see Sadie Saturday they had to take out the breathing tube Saturday morning they were concerned that you know with her being out so so long that she was going to have difficulty breathing but they took the tube out with no problem she started breathing right away on her own they did a few tests, squeeze my hand, move your arms, move your legs, you know, and ask her a couple of questions, things that they thought was going to take days to start to develop. And she said, they asked her, do you know who this is? They said, yes, mom, who's that? That's dad. And she said, you got to understand, they just were really super concerned about all this. Now, she still has a long way to go. She's got to see the oncologist today or tomorrow, to make sure that. They did take a little test of the tumor, as what they saw right away was benign. But they still had to send the big portion of that he got from the surgery, goes to pathology. We'll know something a week later. But I'm telling you, God is still in the healing business. God, we thank you once again for all your prayers and everything that has been done for Sadie was through the grace of God. Thank you.
0: Father, Lord, we know today you are a strength, strength like no other today. Father, you have heard today straight from the lips of a concerned grandfather and family of how you have been our strength, strength like no other. You've been a very present help when we needed you most. You showed up on the scene when we needed you on the scene. You have once again proven, after time and time again throughout the course of history, but once again proved that you are still in control. Nothing catches you off guard. Nothing catches you by surprise. When it's all said and done, you get still all of the credit and glory because it is you who made it come to pass. Yes, you may have used scans. Yes, you may have used different monikers. But at the end of the day, you were in the OR. And you were the one that caused that tumor and cyst to fall off. You were the one that told the surgeon where to go. You were the one directing the steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord. Suffer the little children for such is the kingdom of heaven. Your word tells us you direct our paths and our steps before you. So, Fathers, we get ready here in just a moment to break the bread of life. I pray today, Lord, the Spirit of God that we have experienced this weekend with Sadie, the Spirit of God that we feel in this house today is the same God that will be with us. There are many others in this house. There are some that are at home. Their lives right now need God. There are people battling difficult pregnancies. Broken marriages, dysfunctional families, sickness in their body, recovering from major surgery. There's a plethora of people that need the hand of God in their situation. But we've heard today from the testimony of our dear brother, we have heard today there's still a God in control. There's still a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend. God, we pray that over this body of believers and over the people of God today. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God together. said, so amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you very quickly to go to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 15, the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11, Luke 15 and verse 11. We'll drop down, or we'll read all the way down through verse 16. Luke 15, 11 through 16. There was a certain man who had two sons. The youngest of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods or my inheritance that falls to me. So the father divided the livelihood between his sons. Not too many days after that, the younger son gathered all together. All that he had, he journeyed into a far country. There he wasted all his possessions with prodigal living or riotous living. And when he had spent everything he owned, when he had wasted his life, when he had wasted his inheritance, when he had thrown it all away, about that time there came a severe famine in the land. He began to be in want. That's just how the devil works, church. He'll let you let you, he'll let you waste your life away and then when you hit rock bottom, he'll make it even worse than rock bottom. He was desiring food, he was hungry, so he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He was a foreign country. He joined himself to someone over there and he was looking for a job and the best job they gave him was feeding pigs. The Bible said that he would have gladly ate their food to fill his stomach with the pods that swine eat. I mean, have you ever raised pigs or have been around pigs pigs get the leftovers of everything you've thrown into a pot, thrown outside it doesn't look good it doesn't taste good, it's just a conglomerate of junk the Bible said he would have gladly took junk the worst of the worst but yet no one gave him There's no more devastating feeling for a child of God or even for a sinner who doesn't know God yet. There's no more devastating of a feeling than when you hit rock bottom and everybody you thought you could depend on wasn't there either. You hit the floor and you were there all alone and everybody left you there all alone. He had, he had plenty of friends when he had plenty of money. But when he stopped giving, he also stopped getting. The reality of it is I want to remind you before I get any further in this message today that even when everybody else fails you and they leave you, God's still with you. Even when the world's falling apart around you and it seems like everything you touch is falling apart and everybody you know seems to be peeling off at the wayside and no one seems to care, God cares and He's there. He's there. We've been on a series on inheritance and we're going to continue that today. Let's pray. Eternal Father, I pray today you would bless the reading of your word. Bless the ears to hear, bless the eyes to see, and the hearts to do. Let us not be hearers only, but doers of it there likewise. Hide me behind the cross, that I may decree and declare what the word of the Lord said. I don't want to be seen, but I want you to be heard. And Father, I pray that everything we said and done will be for the advancement and the glory of the, and honor of the kingdom of God. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The people of God together said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We have been on a journey with the current series called Inheritance. We have discovered the amazing links that people will go to get all get their hands on their part, if you will, of the inheritance. We've talked about Tupperware dishes, meat forks, and all the things in between. We know that many today focus their efforts on eternal or of earthly wealth. That they are attain, while the focal point should be of the things that carry eternal weight and value because the things of this earth will disappear. The Bible tells us life is like a mist or a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Everything you accumulate on this earth can quickly disappear at the drop of a hat. You can have a bunch of money in the bank today, but the right stock market crash or the right situation goes on and you can lose everything you have the very next day. The Bible tells us in the writings, the writer says, Some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, the Lord of hosts, because horses fail and chariots fail, but God remains forever and He is steadfast and sure. You see, the investments that are placed in eternity are forever. The accumulation of wealth on earth is but for a fleeting season. I want to introduce you to a very interesting character today before I jump into the message today. I want to introduce you to a beautiful young girl on the outside, you would think she's a darling. Her name is Veruca Salt, but they called her Vera for short. Veruca Salt was one of the main characters in Gene Wilder's classic movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Verica had a very wealthy father, a man who had an unlimited checkbook. They're going through, and there was X number of golden tickets given out by Mr. Wonka because he was going to retire, but he he wanted to leave his inheritance, his chocolate factory, into the hands of someone that he knew would take care of his most prized possession. And those were his green-haired, orange-faced Oompa Loompas. You don't see them very much, but there's a few people in this world that are about the closest thing to an Oompa I've ran into a few of them in Berkeley County from time to time. Most of the time at Walmart, of all places. The hair is not always green. Sometimes it's purple, sometimes it's pink, sometimes it's purple and pink together. It just varies. The reality of it is that he gave it to children. The idea was for children to come because of the wonder He knew that the children wouldn't be afraid of the oompa Loompas, but his goal was that with the love that children have and the uh, unconditional love that they would want to take care of and they would honor his, if you will, his inheritance of what he had built, this this giant uh, building of making chocolate. And there were various kids, and throughout the course of their tour, to find out who was going to take over the chocolate factory, Mr. Wilder set them up with a series of various tests. He wanted to see how the children responded. You know, he would take them to a room with the everlasting gobstuffer and tell them, don't eat it. But he waited until one kid ate it. Then he talked about the forever blueberry bubble gum and don't eat it. But a child did eat it, and she turned into a giant blueberry. And he did that because he wanted to see who would take orders and who would listen. All the children messed up, every one of them. But the reason Charlie ended up getting the factory is because Charlie went back and he gave the gobstopper back and he said, Mr. Wonka, I don't deserve this because when you weren't looking, when we were in the room with the bubbles, I drank some of the potion and I don't deserve that. And he laid it on there, he turned around and he left. And Mr. Wonka gave it to Charlie because he said, Charlie, even though you did wrong, you basically came back and you admitted you're wrong. But Verica Salt walked into a room. And in this room, there were these Geese laying golden eggs. And she says to her father, I want a golden egg. And her father turns around, pulls his checkbook out of his pocket. He's in a brown three piece suit. He pulls his checkbook book out. He doesn't say Mr. Wonka. He doesn't say Mr. Willie. He doesn't he goes, Wonka? How much for it? He said, They're not for sale. And she said, and he said, Well, honey. We'll get you a different golden egg. She says, no, Daddy, I want that golden egg. So He turns around and tells Mr. Wonka again, how much for the egg? He says, it's not for sale. And Verica begins to sing a song about the golden eggs, and she says, I want it, and I want it now. And she runs up, and she grabs one of the eggs, and as she grabs it, she lands on the scale that it determines if it's a good egg or a bad egg and she is told she is a bad egg and she is sent down a garbage chute and her father says virka and he goes to mr wonka and says wonka where is she headed he says "Where well, all bad eggs go to the garbage dump and the point was that she didn't listen and she tried to get in a hurry and it cost her the opportunity potentially own the entire factory. Her desire for that one egg cost her the opportunity to own the entire factory of eggs. So today, very briefly, even if we have to pick up part two, very briefly, I want to talk to you about some people want it all. They want it now. Some people are not willing to wait for gratification in heaven. They want instant gratification on earth. J.G. Wentworth said it like this, eight seven seven five. now he literally says it's your money and have it when you need it and all the people watching the television commercial when they hear that jg Winthrop, they say i want it it's my money and i want it now but isn't that how people live everything they do is about what i want and i want it now i'm not willing to wait i'm not i want it now we live in ultimately i would say one of, if not the, most selfish societies have ever been in existence. Nobody appreciates anything anymore. We still have this season called Thanksgiving, and yet people aren't thankful even in Thanksgiving. We have a holiday set aside to be thankful, and we still can't be thankful. We let you off work, and we still aren't thankful. It's not enough time. Well, they gave me two days for Thanksgiving. I wish they gave a week. We're not thankful. Oh, well, you know, I know we're having turkey and dressing, but I was really hoping y'all were going to have ham. We're not thankful. <laughs> you hear it all the time. I wonder if she's going to make pecan pie. She makes pumpkin pie instead. I don't want that. I want a pecan pie. We're not thankful. We live in a society of ungrateful, ungratitude. In this story which I read today, we find a family that is battling over what they believe is rightfully theirs. The family can be seen through the true colors they are painted in rather than rose-colored glasses because this family, even though they were a tight-knit group, they weren't always so close. In fact, this particular family that I read, father and two sons, have more in common with today's family than most people realize. A lot of people live their life today. They don't care. Yeah, you hear the old adage, blood is thicker than water, but sometimes blood will attack blood. Sometimes blood won't speak to blood. Sometimes blood won't help blood. Hello. I'm not gonna ask anybody to raise their hand, but did anybody ever had anybody know do not raise your hand? But has anybody ever met somebody that had an elderly parent or grandparent they had to take care of and there's about six head of youngin' but only two of the six actually do anything? Well, that's good you ain't supposed to say nothing. That was the whole point. We don't want you to call them out on TV. I appreciate your brutal honesty, Brother Dennis. (laughs) The reality of it is, though, but you know that. You know people that do that. Sadly enough, we see it in church all the time. Hello? Oh, you're going to be quiet on me today. Okay. Because the statistics say that 80% of the work in church is done by 20% of the people. Where's the other people at? They ain't there. They reaping the benefits, but they ain't there. They ain't coming to cleaning day. They're above cleaning. They've got to clean their own house. They certainly ain't got time to clean God's house. Hello, preacher. They've got 51 other Saturdays to decorate their house, but you call a church work day and five people show up, but on Sunday morning, 70 people show up. Something didn't add up in that. And if you do it during deer season or football season, you might as well know that number went down from five to three because two of those are going to be at the football game or in the woods somewhere. I'm not saying you don't have time to go do that My point is we live in a society where not everybody pulls their own weight. The reality of it is we live in a place where if we're not careful, our selfishness, our greed, our desire for more will drive wedges between us than bring us closer together. Not just from a blood perspective, but even from the family of God perspective. Look at what we see in this story. The first thing I want you to notice is there was a certain mindset. You have two brothers. Both work in the family business. Both of them support Daddy's initiative, if you will. Both of them are, are, if you will, part of the family. They daddy has built an empire. Daddy has built a a family business. And, you know, it could be somebody that owns their own car lot, or it could be somebody that that owns their own construction company or cleaning business. Daddy has built a business for them to be able to sustain, for them to be able to take care of their family. He was going to pass it down to them, kind of like Mr. Wonka with the chocolate factory. If he had kids, he would have passed it down to his kids, but he didn't, so he had to find another kid to pass it down to. This particular father had made provision for his children to be taken care of. In today's society, we would say any father or mother that was of any worth of salt, they would do everything they can to leave their children better off than the way they were left off when they took over the family business or the family inheritance because that's what we do. We try to leave our kids better than the way we, we, they found us or that we found them in that time. That's our job. That's our job. That's what we do. This father had worked hard. He had built a family lucrative family business. Both of his sons didn't have to go out there and have to worry about an income. The income was out the back door. All they had to do was get up and go to work. It already provided. And they didn't even have to go out and do the hard part. They got to be in the office, the air conditioning and the computer system, just because their last name was the name of the business. They almost, if you will, you could say they were almost born with the silver spoon syndrome. They didn't have to worry about going to the bottom lowest tier they didn't have to work the line with the rest of the peons down in the floor they set up in the glass room looking out over the top never actually ran a manufactured line a day in their life but yet they were over the people doing it because they had been to school and daddy owned the company but for one of the sons that wasn't good enough it wasn't good enough that daddy provided everything for him it wasn't good enough that daddy had set him up for success It wasn't good enough. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble, and I really apologize in advance, but I'm going to say it anyway, so forgive me later. But the reality is we have teenagers today are that same way. Daddy can buy them a truck. Daddy can buy them a new gun. Daddy can buy them a new ride. Daddy can pay for all their lunches. Daddy and Mama can pay for all their extracurricular activities, buy their prom tickets, buy their vehicles, buy their clothes, and yet their children still get mad because they want more because that's not enough. That's the society in which we live in. And don't think it's just sinners' kids. Most of them are church kids. Hello, preacher. They're ungrateful. Because we want more. We want more. The story centers around this nuclear family of father and two sons. The younger son one day has had enough, and he feels like this. Business takes on $1.5 million a year. Even at $1 million a year revenue, that means $500,000 should go to my brother, which means that should leave me $500,000. That's a lot of money. So one day he decided, why am I sitting here waiting for the old man to croak? I'm mean, Why not live my best life now? Daddy's 80 years old and he's still going strong. It might be a while before he times out and until senior vice president of affairs upstairs, the guy that's the building the company's named after until he dies. I don't get it. So I'm going to go into his office and so the youngest son walks up into corporate executive office suite number 12 and knocks on Big Daddy Warbucks' door and says, Hello? Oh, come in, son. What can I do for you? I want my $500,000 and I want it. Now. Well, son, you know that we have Investments and revenue and you and your brothers are going to get the whole company. You're going to get everything. I'm not waiting for you, Dad, to pass it down to me. I want it now. I want it now. Give it to me right now, my inheritance right now. But ain't that what people do today? They're not willing to wait for anything. Some of you are going to leave this building today. You're going to go eat at a restaurant because you didn't cook. Some of y'all forgot to turn the crock pot on this morning. Hello. You going to go to a restaurant. And you're going to sit down. With that waitress or waiter hitting to you in about five minutes, you get antsy. You know why? Because you want her to be there right now. She comes by and takes your drink order. You get sweet tea and water. And it takes on her a little bit longer. You know what begins to happen around the table? You hear conversations like this. Well, my God, how long does it take to pour a glass of tea? Lord, how far do they have to go to find the water? I sure hope they weren't getting it out the tail rakes. Good Lord, how long does it take to find water in this place? You know what you're really saying? I want it. Now, you place your order, but it doesn't come out in 10 minutes, brother Mike. You know what people start doing? You know, we've been sitting here for 30 minutes. I mean, my Lord, how long is I mean, I know the place is busy, but my goodness, I ain't got all day to wait around. You know what you're saying? I want it. We wouldn't be upset if they've superseded our order in the queue and let us get it before everybody else in the restaurant. But I'm sure everybody else in the restaurant will be upset if their orders got put behind ours. Hello. That's good preaching if you aren't Church of God today. You all are going to need to repent because you're all feeling convicted, it seems like. Quiet bunch today. Because it's a mindset. We want it and we want it now. But notice what the Bible said. It said that he went in, but he was going off to a far country, after not too many days hereafter, the Bible said, he ventured off. This is what that means, that he already mentally had checked out long before he left the house. Listen to what I just said. The son had mentally checked out a long time before he ever left the security and safety of the father's house. I'm telling you there are churches all across this nation and maybe even in our house today that there are people that come to church but they have mentally checked out of the Father's house a long time ago. They're still here but they've mentally checked out a long time ago and in not too dear future they're going to find themselves in a foreign country of sin and isolation and desolation because they mentally checked out a long time ago from his house. They're still in his house but they mentally checked out a long time ago. They stopped reading their word. They stopped praying. They stopped fasting. They stopped Bible study. They stopped attending church. They stopped attending prayer meetings. They stopped listening to gospel music in their car. They've checked out a long time ago. They come on Sunday morning and put on the facade in the face. But one day we look back and go, well, how did sister so-and-so end up coming to church? But now she's out there doing God only knows what. Because she checked out long before she walked out the building. She checked out. She checked out. If you're not careful, you and I can do the same thing. The devil's that crafty. We mentally can check out before we even leave out. You see, we, we know that God blesses his people. We know people are not, even when God blesses them, they're not thankful. Brother Mike did such a wonderful and beautiful job this morning sharing the testimony of Sadie. We'll have to definitely pick up part two next week, and, and that's totally fine because I wanted him to have plenty of time. I told him, you know, you have plenty of time. I want people to hear how good God is. It doesn't matter how much I stand back here. You need to know God still does what he does. I can preach it all day long, but we need sometimes to be reminded he did it right now. We talk about I want it all, I want it now. We got something now. Just this week, we got a now moment. We had one this week, right now. In an OR, it happened right now. We had one. People, Brother Mike and his family certainly are not this way, but people in this world... Are not the same way how many times has someone made a bargain with god god if you get me out of this i'll start paying my tithes god if you get me out of this i'll start going to church god if you get me out of this i'll start supporting the things of the church i'll start supporting the ministry god if you get me out and god does it guess who doesn't hold up to the end of the bargain one who made the bargain with god i have seen people beg made bargains with god God, if you give me this promotion at this job, I'll serve you. And down the road, there and their spouses split because their job took over instead of the things of God. See, people bargain with God all the time. Oh, God, I've got bad news. Oh, God, I've got cancer. Oh, God, I've got a tumor. Oh, God, I've got lymph, uh, a little leukemia. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, my marriage is falling apart. Oh, God, my spouse is about to leave. Oh, God, my children. Oh, God, if you, oh, God, if you, if you, if you. And then when God does it, we don't follow the promise. If everybody made good on the promises they've made God for the things God done for them, you'd see a drastic different change in the world we're living in and how much people are in church. Because a lot of people have made promises to God but they never kept them. Never kept them. See what you have to understand is that this story is symbolism and we'll unpack this a little bit more in depth next week but this story is all symbolism. The Father represents the Lord. There is safety. There is security. There is a place of comfort and rest in the Father's house. We sing songs. We have come into His and gathered in His to worship Him. Right? We're in His house. His house. There's something to be said about being in His house. There's something to be said about the safety and security of the Father's house. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. We sing that. What do we say? There's safety in the Father's house. You know who the two brothers are? Us. They represent Jesus as the loyal son to a certain degree, and it represents us who have been made heirs and joint heirs, part of the family of God, brothers and sisters. But we decided we weren't. We didn't want what God had to offer us. We wanted our own life. Now you'll hear at the end of the message next week, and I'll kind of you know, give you the, the, the climax for next week, but you'll hear by the end, but one, at some point in life, you'll figure out your way don't work. And you're going to figure out when it didn't work, if you'd have just stayed in the Father's house, you'd have been better off staying there than abandoning ship. You'd have been better staying home. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about from the spiritual side. You'd have been better staying connected to God than venturing off from God. The reality of it is this, this son... He checked out, his philosophy was, get what you want now. But in the process, he ended up losing everything he got. You see, God has promised us an inheritance. We'll talk a little more in depth about that next week. But God has promised us so much stuff over there, yet there are so many people over here not willing to wait, so they try to create their own inheritance on earth, rather than waiting for the promises over there. They don't want to wait for streets of gold. They don't want to wait for gates of pearl. They don't want to wait for mansions. They don't want to wait for multi-million dollar cities. They want it now. They don't want to wait. See, most of the time, 80% of your life, statistics say 80% of your life is normally good, and only about 20% of your entire life's volume is bad. But yet, the statistics also show that 80% of the people focus on the 20% of the bad, the bad. 20% of the people focus on the 80% of the good. Think about it. More people, they only have about 20% of the entire volume of life of bad stuff that happens to them according to statisticians. But they say 80% of the world actually just focuses on the 20 rather than the 80% that's been good. We always focus on the negative. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3-5 through five says this, Blessed be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven, kept by the power of God through faith, ready to be revealed at the end of time. It's a living hope. Our hope is found in the resurrection. Listen to what the inheritance was described. Peter described in verse 4 that we were going to get an inheritance given by God. That word is kleromonia, and it literally means possession. We get heaven. When you read the book of Revelation and what heaven looks like, you get to own part of that. You get to walk streets of gold, have gates of pearl, jasper walls. Rich. You get to have rights to a city and a house you can't afford. You don't have enough money to buy that house. But you have the rights to it if you just follow the rules. Listen to how Peter described his Carol as you come. Listen to how Peter described the inheritance. He described it as incorruptible. What does that mean? It never goes away. Incorruptible means it lasts forever. Means when I go to heaven, there is no coming back. I get to stay. Look, some of you work public work. You love 5 o'clock if you work 9 to 5. You work night shift, you love 7 o'clock the next morning. You know why? Because you're off. You know what you dread most? Knowing that you have to come back. You want to walk out and be done? My wife, just the other day, she came home from work, and she was watching some TikTok reel or something on her phone. I do not know what she was watching. She had all this, like, this sad, dejected face, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, it must be nice. And I said, what well, must be nice? She said, not having to work. I said, yeah, that's what everybody has said from the course of history. She said, I feel like I could get so much done if I didn't have to work. I said, so does everybody else. I'm sure Brother Mann didn't have to go to the office. He could go hunt a whole lot more. He could fix a lot more projects if he didn't have to go to work. <laughs> do we all wish we didn't have to go? But, Jesus, but Peter says that that inheritance Christ gives us is incorruptible, meaning it lasts forever. Nothing can take that one from you. The boss man can fire you. The job can play out. The spouse can leave you and the children can forsake you. But if you put your inheritance in heaven, nobody can take away the rights and deeds to what you have been given. Nobody can take your... The bank can foreclose on your house down here, but all of hell can't foreclose on your house over there. The bank can say you're laying on your mortgage payment here, but over there the debt's been paid in full and you don't owe a dime for your mansion over there. On this side of heaven, you may have to worry about stressing how to pay the light bill at Santee Cooper or Berkeley Electric, but over there, the Lamb of God will be the light in that city, and it never burns out, and nobody shuts the power off in the room. Down here, you might have to worry about the air conditioning going out. Over there, the Spirit of God, the Ruah, the breath of God, blows a wind like you've never experienced. It's always perfect atmosphere up there. See, the reality of it is nothing incorruptible means nothing can change it. It's forever. He goes on to say that that inheritance is undefiled. What does that mean? It never fades or it never tarnishes. How many of you have ever owned true sterling silver or something of silver? What happens if you don't polish it? it messes it up. Evaluates. It's not that you can't still use it you can still use the meat fork tarnished but is it is it as valuable tarnished as it is when it's pure and clean No. still works but it's not of the same value Jesus didn't want to give you just something that worked he wanted to give you something that never lost its value when Jesus died he didn't just give you a I'll build you a little cabin in glory he wanted you to have something that nobody else could replicate something that never fades nor tarnishes you go to the dealership today and you buy a brand new car you drive out of that parking lot and you go to Parker's to your Chewy Club and get your free drink of the day and decide, I don't like how this is driving, and you go right back to the dealership and turn it back in, and you're going to get top dollar. Nope. You know why? Because as soon as those tires left the pavement, guess what it did? Depreciated in value. In heaven, nothing depreciates in value. On the housing market down here, my house at 377 Decatur today might be worth three hundred eighty thousand dollars, but in six months from now or a year from now the market could crash and I might only can get two ten for it. But then the market could go back up and six months down the road it might be four ten for that same house. When I go to heaven, the market doesn't crash and it never loses its value. It always stays top dollar and nothing changes it. It's always gonna be top dollar in heaven. Top dollar. Does it tarnish? Does it fade? It's always the best. The streets of gold never get a little messed up. They're always glossy. They're always pristine. Heaven doesn't have scuff marks all over the gates of pearl. It doesn't look like somebody hadn't been buying six months and cleaned it. It's not dusty. There's no allergies in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. There's no sneezing in heaven. There's no migraine headaches in heaven. There's no pollutants in heaven to mess you up because everything is perfected. The streets of gold are so clear, you can see your reflection. The Crystal River is so clear, you can see your face in it. It's so pure. Then Peter says, and it's reserved for me until the day he comes back, the end. What is he saying? God is protecting my inheritance until it's time for me to lay claim. That God's not going to let anybody else but me take my inheritance. See, I taught you the other day, and then I'm done it for today. The reality of it is, I told you last Sunday or the Sunday before last, you can have all the Tupperware in the house and the meat forks in the house, but Grandmama's not passing away yet, and so you mention it to her, and she says, well, you better take it now. And you say, no, no, that's okay, but next time you come around, it's missing. There's nothing you can do about it because somebody already took that from you. You don't know who took it. You might can assume, but it's gone. There ain't no coming back from that. You lost that one. You lost that bowl. You lost that fork. That's done. But what reserved in heaven means is that even when the devil comes in like he did with Job with the sons of God and he walks up to the heaven and he asks God about the accuser of the brethren, that even when he tries to take it, God says, you can take their earthly possessions. You can take their children. You can take their house. You can take their livestock. You can take their... work. You can take everything on earth, but you cannot take their life because that's connected to the inheritance up here. You can take all their earthly possessions, but God wouldn't let the devil touch his eternal rewards. God has it so protected that the only person that can take away your inheritance is you from heaven. No one else. Unless you make the call that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, or you reject Him, you're the only one that can change the status of your inheritance in heaven. Nobody else has rights to it but you. Nobody's mansion is going to be yours except you. And you choose to reject it and turn the key back in and tell God you don't want it, that's a different ballgame. God didn't take it from you. You gave it back to Him without regard. See that son? As long as that son was in the Father's house, His inheritance was everlasting. He could have stayed there at his daddy's house and never had to want for anything. Daddy had him covered. But once he got out of the covering of his father, the world had a heyday. In his life can I tell you when you get out of the covering of God your father that's when the Satan and the ways and the schemes of this world can have a heyday you have safety under God he who dwells in the secret place can abide under the shadow of the Almighty as long as you're connected to God you have protection but once you get outside of God's protection you are on your own and the devil is bound to come make sure he messes up your life you're fine as long as you're connected to God once that son chose to leave the father's house his life was forever changed how many people and we're going to pray, how many people have started out strong in the world in church came to church, they served in church they ministered in church, they were in church three times a week, they loved God but over time brother Rocky their mind checked out mentally before their heart left out of the door and over the course of time, they begin to slip. And Brother Primo, they got out back into the world outside of the protection of God's family, house of God. And how many people do you personally know, don't raise your hand, or tell me, how many people do you know that one time loved God with everything and served God with everything, but now they have no regard for God, and they're so far lost in that world. They know better. They were raised better. They were taught better. They lived better. But what happened to them? Their mind mentally checked out. But once they left the Father's house, their life forever changed. I'm going to tell you today that if you're not careful, that can be you and me. Don't think that we are per- that we have a special place, that we're better than somebody else. As quickly as you were able to drive into this parking lot today, that same quickness, if you get out of the will of God, out of the things of God, and out of the house of God, that same quickness can take you down a road you never wish to God you'd ever traveled. And You'll find yourself so far down that road, you'll never know how you ended up there, and you'll sometimes struggle finding your way back. You're going to learn next Sunday morning that the same road, that every step that that son had to walk away from the father's house was the same steps he had to retract to come back to the father's house. The father never left. The son left, but the father remained the same. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. Today we change. He stays the same. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's my question today. Two questions. Obviously, I always offer the opportunity for someone to give their heart to Jesus Christ. So today I'm going to ask this question like this. I'm going to ask it in the way of, Pastor, I know what's right, and I know I should do the things that are right, and I need to make sure my heart is right. I know what needs to be done, but I've kind of drifted a little bit from the father's house and in, in relatively terms I've, I've drifted from my relationship with God further than I have ever thought I would I really need to make sure that me and God are on the same page kind of drifted, and I want to make sure me and God are okay so anyone today would raise your hand and say pastor will you pray I, I feel like I've kind of drifted a little bit from God and I, I need to make sure I'm back and right standing with him is there any today I'll just take what I'll just wait just for a moment anyone that says pastor that's right, me God bless you Second question is this, is there anybody in this house, no one looking around, but is anybody in this house that say, Pastor, I've got family, children, grandchildren, friends, co-workers, people I'm connected to in my family or in my extended family or just acquaintances that I know. I've got people I know, preacher, that they know what it's like to be in the Father's house, but yet they've drifted from the Father's house, and you want us to pray that they'll come back and retrace their steps back to the Father's house. Is there anyone to say, Pastor, will you pray for those people for me? Oh, I see your hands all over this house. God bless you today. Yes. Because the reality of it is you might be the brother that's still working in the father's house. But the promise is that that wayward son, daughter, grandchild, spouse, whatever it may be, this story tells us that that's, that other family member came back home, which tells me God can bring the ones you just mentioned, I just mentioned, and you raised your hands, God can bring them home to you too. He can bring them back to the god's house he can bring them back to your house he can bring it home to you let's pray together father in the name of jesus you've seen the heaviness of hearts of the men and women that are in this house there have been hands have been lifted all over this place about that they know people they have people in their family that they know that it ventured off and wayward off from the father's house father today i'm asking that god you would bring those sons those daughters those grandchildren those great-grands God you would bring those that God have strayed and veered and ventured off on their own pathways they know better yet God they choose to whatever reason to walk in direct opposition of you I pray today you would speak to them today grab their heart prick their spirit Chastise, change them, challenge them, whatever you have to do, get their attention and let them know the Father is still at home waiting for them to return. Father, may you bless us and keep us. Your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God. that surpasses all human understanding. God, our hearts unto you come again. Father, let the words of our mouth meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight O oh lord our strength and eternal blessed redeemer we pray and ask these things and the people of god together said amen and i'm going to ask you to stand all over the house we're going to have a benedictory prayer but don't forget right after service about five minutes let's turn around we have a small business meeting we just need to go over a report with you and give you some information and so if you are a faithful attender